Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 52. It is now a full year we have been doing Fireside, which is... Just an incredible thing to be able to say. I'm so proud of each and every one of them. And thank you all so much for listening if you are a returning listener. And if you're a brand new listener, you are so very welcome. This is going to be a story continuing the Ulster cycle. So if you haven't even listened to... If you haven't listened to the first story about Coo Cullen, I do recommend you listen to those first couple so that this one will all make sense, particularly last one's story about last week's story about Cullen's love and training. But yes, it's it's brilliant. It's it's fantastic to be able to say that we've been doing this podcast for a whole year now. It was a it was a long time. It was a lot of work to build it up. It's a lot of work to keep it going. But I enjoy doing it each and every week, and I love coming in here to the studio each and every week to record it. And that's all down to you listening, and that's all down to everyone here at Headstuff, to Alan Bennett and to Paddy O'Leary, who have just now opened their brand new podcast studios underneath where I am sitting right now, and it is absolutely beautiful if you live in Dublin. It is where we did our Fireside Live podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was great to be one of the first podcasts to have a live show in the Dublin Podcast Festival in the new brand new studio. And I look forward to going back there, and I hope it's the massive success for them that I know it will be. And it is very exciting to to be now entering year two, to be nearly at the end of our journey through Irish folklore mythology, and to see what the future will hold for this podcast. There's a lot of big plans that I will reveal slowly but surely over the next couple of weeks as we enter into 2020. But I am going to tell the story first and we can chat a bit more after that. But just as a quick thank you so much to all of you for listening to this. And please do continue to listen if you enjoy it. Tell your friends. uh, Follow us on Instagram at Fireside Bard. If you really love this podcast, you could support us on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast. Um, continue to leave ratings and reviews and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And just keep an ear out and an eye out for everything coming with it. So the f- story for today is the story of Cucullan's only son. 
which is uh, I won't say any more about it to, <laughs> to spoil anything about it but this is Cullen's Only Son on Fireside <laughs> Cucullan's only son. When Cucullan was training under Scatoc the Shadow in Alba, on what we today know as the Isle of Skye, he went to battle with his teacher's enemy, Aoife. Cucullan defeated Aoife in battle, and as his reward, slept with her in her own bed that very night. Aoife bore Cucullan a son, and while the Hound of Ulster returned home, his only son was raised in Alba. Aoife had asked Cúchulainn to leave his son a present and a name. So Cúchulainn left a thumb ring and the words, When my son's finger fits this ring, he is ready to come home to meet me in Ulster. Tell him to reveal his name to no man but me. That name will be Cúmla. It was seven years until the child's hand grew in size and dexterity until just about his finger fit the ring. So Aoife sent Cunla on a boat to Ulster. The boy's childhood in Alba had not been spent idly. As the son of Cúchulainn, from the time he could walk, Cunla was trained by his father's trainer, Sketok. And being from the stock of one of the greatest warriors ever to walk the earth, even at the age of seven, Cunla was formidable. When the Ulster coast was in sight, Cunla looked up to see the seagulls flying overhead. To pass the time, the boy took out his slingshot and began to fire stones upward. He never missed a shot, knocking out each seagull but not killing any of them. This remarkable feat of skill and precision was seen by sentries on the Ulster coastline. A messenger rushed to Eamon Maka to King Conkobar MacNassa to tell him this news. The king considered this. This child is surely from some race of superhuman giants. If their children are that strong, the gods only know how strong the parents will be. The child cannot see our lands. He must not learn our ways, but we must try to not insult him either. Someone must go to meet him when he lands, learn what they can from him, and send him away. But who should we send? Cucullan? One advisor asked, No, if we send my nephew, it will surely end in bloodshed. He's a warrior. He's no diplomat. Who then? We will send Condora MacEchach. He is articulate and even-tempered. Let it be him. And Condora MacEchach left Eamon Macca and reached the east coast of Ulster just as the boy's boat was landing. Welcome to Ulster, child. We have seen your great feats from afar, but we cannot allow you passage into our kingdom until we know who you are and who your people are. I will give my name to no man but my own father. Well then, who is your father? To give his name would be to give away my own. Well, who are your people then? I will speak to no man but my own father. Well, if you're going to be a brat about it, you cannot come into Ulster. Turn this boat around and go back to where you came from. You won't name your father. Well, whoever he is, he didn't teach you respect. Do not even allude to disrespecting my father. Go home now, because even if there was twenty of you, you could not stop me landing. 
Oh, well, we'll certainly see about that, won't we? And Kondra MacEckock returned to Eamon Maka with news of his failure. I will not stand for such disrespect to our land and our king, cried out Conal Kernock, another of Conkabar's loyal followers. I will go out and get the name out of this child. And the Ulster man marched to the beach, where the boy had successfully moored his boat and was now walking along the sand. Those were some pretty tricks you performed out there with those seagulls, boy. But that's all they were. Tricks. Those tricks work equally well on men, said the child. And he took out his slingshot, picked up a rock off the beach and fired it into the air. There are many men in the sky, boy. But as Conal Kernock laughed, the rock sailed up and ploughed down, cracking the Ulster man's skull wide open. After that, an army was sent to the Jour, and an army was repelled by this boy of seven. Finally, Cú Cullen made his way to the coast himself. His wife, Emer, begged him not to go. McGraw, use your head here. A child of seven years with this kind of skill can only be yours. He is surely your son from that Scot you shacked up with while I was waiting for you here. But whether he be mine or not... He is definitely yours, and you cannot kill your own son. Emer, let go of me. Whether he's my son or not is irrelevant. He could be my father, mother, or even you. But he has disrespected Ulster, and I am sworn to defend and protect the lands and honour of Ulster. And it seems I am the only one who can put the pup of the hound to sleep. So Cúcullin marched to meet his son. Have you been having fun? Father said to son. I have. Many warriors have approached, and none have got so much as my name from me. Well now, you are meeting the Hound of Ulster. The games are at an end. And Cúcullin drew his sword, but the child was too quick, too nimble. He could run circles around Cúcullin, slide between his legs. He even cut the Hound of Ulster's hair off with one deft swing of his sword. Then Cúcullin said, Enough swordplay. Let us settle this with our hands. And they began to wrestle, twisting and hitting and biting like the hound and pup that they were. Cúcullin could never quite get both hands around the boy, but the boy frequently knocked Cúcullin to his knees. The wrestling led to the water, where both attempted to drown the other and be done with it. Cúcullin was submerged twice underwater by his son and nearly drowned. When he came up, Cúcullin finally feared for his own life and used his last resort, the gift given to him by Skatok, the devastating gay bulga. Cúcullin ran to the shore, picked up his spear and hurled it at the boy's stomach. The bowels of the child erupted out of him with the barbed spikes of the gay bulga and his innards spilled into the foam of the sea waves. Battle won. The heartbroken Cúcullin rushed to his mortally wounded son. Skadok didn't give me one of those, said the boy. Cúcullin carried his son from the coast to Eamon Maka and presented him to the court of King Conkobar MacNessa. Ulster men, this is Conla. He is my son. The people gathered there let out a wail at the bloody and pale child laying before them. Ulster men, Conla just about uttered. I lament I will never grow to fight alongside you. 
rest assured, with five years, all your names would be known as far as Rome. But since I do not have the time, let me embrace the great men gathered here. Cunla was carried to and embraced each one present. He embraced Kunkabar the king, and finally Cucullan, his father. As the Hound of Ulster felt the embrace of his son for the first time, he felt the small body go limp, and Cunla died. All of Ulster mourned for the death of Cucullan's only son. No foal or calf was allowed near its mother for three days and nights afterwards. And Cucullan would do many great acts and deeds in his life, but never again would he have a child. To be continued. And that is the rather tragic story of Cucullan's only son. This is one of those tales, as Cucullan would be a lot of the Cuckolan stories would be ones that I'd be slightly more familiar with than some of the myths that we did in the past before studying them, certainly. But this was one I didn't know at all. Uh, this was, we're still all in the prelude to the Ta'an. This is the second last prequel story to the greatest epic of Irish mythology. And Cuckolan himself is, his age is often different depending on uh, on the versions of it he's he's 17 basically fighting a lot of the wars he's supposed to be incredibly young but then he is also often made 30 or 33 because he is as i've been saying frequently now he is the jesus the jesus hercules of irish mythology so they try to create a lot of echoes between himself and Christ, well certainly it was considering it was those early Christian monks who wrote these stories down and saved them from fading from the oral tradition and are why we still have them. But they have, of course, then doctored them to fit their Christian doctrine. But I do obviously like the idea of Cucullin growing that bit older, especially when he is has these incredible talents and incredible feats. And so last week we'd had the story of Cuchulain's love and training with Scathoc the Shadow in Scotland, where we had him bedding Scathoc's daughter and then going to war and ended up going to bed with Aoife, Scathoc's enemy, which is uh, an incredible piece of storytelling, to be fair, to defeat this woman in battle and then as the winning request to ask for her to bear him a son, even though he has the love of his life, Emer, waiting back there repelling the the demand the pursuits of others of uh, Louis Louis McNoise who is the one who courts her while Cucullin is away but we have now Conla Cucullin's son come over seven years later and at age seven he is nearly able to defeat Cucullin and so we can only wonder what he would have accomplished at a greater age there is um it's a beautiful little story in terms of just the black and white nature of honour that Cucullin fights with. That it is irrelevant to him whether it is his son or not because unfortunately he has disrespected Ulster and Cucullin has to defend the name of Ulster. Even, at the, even though it is 
Cullen's fault that these circumstances had to come up in the first place. Obviously, I imagine with Cullen saying, you know, tell, send my son over when he's, when he fits this ring, give him this name, but tell him to tell his name to no one but me. That's obviously a preemptive trying to protect Cullen because any enemies of the Hound of Ulster would certainly want his son to die because why would you want another Cullen knocking about? And we have him come over here and he's thought to be from this race of monsters or giants. I mean, there's there's certainly some echoes of um, of the very first story of Fireside, which is appropriate considering this is the 52nd, in that uh, in the story of the Giant's Causeway, where we have the giant Finn McCool shouting over to the giant Ben and Donner, and Fionn's ploy to trick Ben and Donner by telling him, by dressing as up as a baby and swaddling in his home and trying to trick Ben and Donner into thinking that Fionn is a baby and that the actual Fionn is a giant further still. So there is this idea of this invader coming over and being mistaken for being another race, which is common enough throughout uh, Irish folklore. But here it has much more tragic consequences, of course. And we have the first... Proper use, really, of the gay bulga as well, which is Ku Cullen's magical spear that he gets from Skathok. That is a little bit... I've mixed feelings about the gay bulga because it obviously is a little bit deus ex machina-ish. You know, it has that little bit of thing of why wouldn't he just use it all the time? It is always this last resort because it is this... But I suppose, yeah, he doesn't like to ever use it because it is a last resort. It is a devastating and excruciating death to have uh, where you are stabbed by this spear and these 30 barbed metal balls fill your body. I mean, it's incredibly visceral and unlike anything else in any mythology I've ever heard or seen or any story. Which So that's kind of one of the nicer things about it is it is this very unique element here. There are his two things. We have the gay bulga and we also have his warp spasm, which didn't appear in this story, but it did last week. So the warp spasm, which is his Hulk mode. It's uh, him going feral, him turning into the wolf man. It is uh, where he becomes, depending on the version, he becomes like this different creature. He's unrecognizable. He's not really in control of himself and certainly not in control of his uh, bloodthirstiness and his skills in battle. And that will, of course, become more and more of a present thing when we actually start fighting wars in the Thawne. This was, of course, a slightly shorter episode. Um, the next one will be as well. Just because the final two prelude stories um, of the Ulster Cycle, they certainly couldn't have been put together, um, but they were just short enough tales with plenty in them. I think there was plenty in that, to be fair, of um, of just material there and just... We're just getting to know these characters more. It's not like, it's not like oh, it's going to be incredibly important for you to know that Cucullan's son died when re- reading and listening to the stories of the Tawn. But I just think these do, these do, of course, just flesh out these characters and make them that bit more real. And because like these other heroes we've had, you know, Fionn McCool had a son and grandson, and all of these. Heroes usually had children and all, and Cucullin, the greatest hero of all, had no children, despite the fact that he had a loving wife and everything, and 
he did and he died and he died because Cúchulainn had to defend Ulster so you really see you get to terms with the black and white nature of Cúchulainn and the beginnings of the tragedy that is his life and the life that he is that he is bound to 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 walk and um, the path he is bound to tread and I just think it's great so I hope you enjoyed it as well I'm going to wrap things up there um, but thank you so much for listening uh, in terms of myself what am I up to at the moment? I'm still in during the middle of the run of A Christmas Carol in the Gate here in Dublin, which is going wonderfully well. Uh, we are sold out until the 7th of January. We're running onto the 18th, which is incredible to be able to say, especially having gone from selling my own shows um, like Fireside and getting people along. It's a lovely, lovely luxury that I'm very grateful for to be able to just sit and have let Charles Dickens sell himself and to enjoy being in the wonderful cast and company I am in. Uh, as we get up to Christmas now, we are in December. So I have one more one more preemptive story to the tour next week. And then I think we are going to do our Fireside Christmas special, which I have a plan for. I don't know if I think I might have revealed it before, but I'll keep it, I'll keep it a, a secret again now um, while I fully formulate it in my head. But thank you so much to all of you for listening. If it's your first time, hopefully it wasn't. Hopefully you did listen to a couple of the other Cullen stories or else that one mightn't have had any uh, relevance or uh, impact on you if you weren't familiar with Cullen in the first place. But thanks so much to Alan and Paddy here at Headstuff. Thank you so much to Jamie, my producer, for continuing to edit and support this podcast with me. And I look forward to doing another 52 episodes with you and entering... The second, the second year of episodes, 52, 52 scripts, 52 stories. It's, I'm so, so proud of it, and I'm so glad you are all enjoying it as well. And thank you for continuing to send your messages uh, to me on Instagram. Rest assured, if I haven't got back to you yet, I will, <coughs> uh, because I appreciate getting them so much, and it's so lovely to know you're all out there all over the world. Uh, listening and enjoying this podcast as much as I'm enjoying recording it. So thank you very much and I will see you all. You will hear me all next time around the fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.